Amen. Thank you, Josh. How is everyone? People online, you good? In person, good? Sure. <laughs> it's such like a, I, think, I feel like that's such a Wisconsin thing. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Uh, 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 another thing I want to add this morning, um, the McIntosh family uh, attends our church, uh, has for quite some time, and um, just this last week, like, their, their story is amazing. Ho- hopefully you get to know them. Hopefully we'll interview them at some point here in the future. Um, but they, over the last year, uh, have adopted two boys into their home. Um, and that's something they have a heart for. That's something that, that Jesus is calling to is to uh, adopt. And you, you hear them speak on this and, and their passion for it is it's just amazing. So this last year they adopted two boys into their home. And then uh, just last week uh, they uh, brought in uh, the sister uh, uh, to foster uh, and hopefully adopt. And so uh, this last week, the sister was born. Uh, they brought this newborn into their home. And uh, now they have three uh, kids from the same family, all adopted, all in their home. And uh, it's just a really cool story. And you talk to them, like there's so many prayers that have been answered, so many just things that have come to fruition as they've stepped out in faith, as they've felt called by Jesus to be a family that brings others in so that they can have a family. Uh, and I just think that's so cool. They lead the Forgotten Initiative. We partner with them as a church. And, and one thing I want to tell you is uh, they could use all the support that they uh, can get, right? Let's bring a new baby home. They have a lot of other kids. Uh, and, and so they can use all the support they can get. So this last week in Facebook, we put out a post uh, setting up a meal train for them. And also posting uh, their baby registry at Target. So one thing I would ask for you to consider online, in person, is to go to our Facebook page and sign up for a meal for them, if there's any meals left. Uh, and then also, like, go buy something on their baby registry and have a sent to their house. Like, it would bless them incredibly, uh, so much, just to know, like, there's a whole group of people that are behind them, supporting them in what Jesus has called them to do. And maybe you're not called to adopt a kid um, that needs a home, but we all can be a part of supporting and encouraging others that are called to do it. So I I submit that to you. Pray about it. Actually, don't pray about it. Just do it. Um, uh, Jesus would want that. So... um, Sometimes I think we pray about too many things, right? Like, just, just do it. You're just supposed to do this. Just do it. Um, so, I feel like, um, what is it, January 16th, middle of January, I feel like there's a lot happening right now, right? Like, like I feel like everybody's going through something. And I feel like everybody's tired. And I feel like everybody's worn out. And maybe it's COVID and you're just exhausted from all the things that have come with that. We all thought this would be over after two months. It clearly is still going and it's increasing. And there's just so much with that. Wherever you stand on that, there's so much in that that we're still wrestling with. 
And there's so many jobs and organizations that have people out because they're sick. There's so many friends that are sick. Now there's, there's people who've died. There's people that are struggling. There's, there's so much with all of that. There's so much with work, right? There's so much with school. There's so much in our, fam- in our families. And so I really just wanted to give us a couple minutes to just sit and pray. And I want to lead us through a verse, an invitation that Jesus gives. And so there's going to be some music played, but I want to give us a couple minutes, like enough time where it gets a little comfort- uncomfortable, right? So I want everybody, whether you're in, online or uh, in person, like just relax. Put your hands down, maybe fold them in your lap, close your eyes. And just take a couple minutes to just talk to Jesus. Talk to him about what's going on. What are you struggling with? What's weighing heavy on your heart, on your mind? What are you anxious about? What are you worried about? Matthew 11, 28, 30 through 30. Jesus says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? burned out in life come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me work with me Watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What are you grieving right now? What do you need to grieve but you're avoiding? What do you need to pay attention to?
What are you carrying around that you have no business carrying? You're carrying around this thing that only Jesus can do something about. I invite you just to talk to Jesus. Like he's sitting right here. Tell him what's going on. tired, worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus, we hear these words as an invitation. Not an invitation to do anything but an invitation to be. An invitation to have our lives converge with your life. To sit with you, to walk with you, to work with you. Throughout our day to talk about what's going on to talk about the anxiety, to talk about the depression, to talk about the issues at work, to talk about the issues in relationships, to talk about where we've been hurt, to talk about what is the blessing, what is the joyful thing in life. You invite us to walk with you through the hills and the valleys. It's an invitation, not just on a Sunday morning. Not even just during your quiet time or your prayer time or your reading the Bible time. But this is an ongoing invitation for us to walk with you.
And there's a promise, Jesus, that I pray that we will hold on to, that as we do that, we recover our life. As we walk with you, as we talk with you, as we work with you, we live life to the full. It doesn't mean there's not going to be the valleys, but it means you will be with us in them. And that changes everything. So Jesus, we give wherever we are to you. Whatever we walk through these doors with. Wherever we are at in life right now. In the struggle, in the pain, in the worry, in the busyness, in the blessing. Meet us there. your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, slowly come back to, I I pray that this is something that, that you guys do in your life. You know, it's every now and then, sit down, sit in silence, and just walk with Jesus. Talk with Jesus. Tell him what's going on. He already knows what's going on, but he wants to hear from you. <laughs> and as you talk to Jesus, it's the way I'm inviting Jesus in to whatever it is you're experiencing. So I, I felt like we needed that time. Um, we can get into the uh, sermon now. Last week, uh, I, there's this question that I put. What's the ditch you're going to dig? If you weren't here last week, you're like, what does that mean? Uh, we picked up in a story in 2 Kings, it's the prophet Elisha. And if you want to do your own homework, your own study, there's a lot of similarities between Elisha and Jesus throughout the Gospels. There's a lot of references back to Elisha. You can go study that. It's a fun little study. Um, but there's a story. The kings, three kings are coming together. And they're going to attack the Moabs, the Moabites. And they're sitting there, they're preparing for battle. They have all their men, they have all their cattle, everything in the desert, waiting to attack. There was one problem. They didn't bring enough water, and they're in the desert. So there's that. They don't have any more water. So they're in the place where they're sitting there. They don't have water for their men. They don't have enough water for their animals. And, and they're sitting here. Like I felt like we kind of rushed past this last week. So we're kind of recapping a little bit. Like I want us to sink into this story. So no water. They're running out of water. Their, their people are dehydrated. Like there's worry there. That their men are going to die. They're not going to be able to go... And they send for Elisha, who's the prophet. And Elisha comes on the scene and he goes, hey, uh, yeah, you want a vision. You want to know what's going to happen. And so uh, bring me a harpist. And they bring a harpist, which I can't even imagine, like bringing a harp wherever. (laughs) 
And the harpist starts to play, and Elijah's sitting there, and he, he enters in a prayer, and, and then he has this message from the Lord. And this message is, hey, go make this valley full of ditches. And then wait. You watch and see. God's going to fill the valley, fill all those ditches that you dig. God's going to fill them with water. It's going to be amazing. And we talked last week how we imagined like the kings are sitting there like, what? Like dig a ditch. That's it? That's what you've got? Like we kind of wanted something now. Like our armies are in danger. So they go dig ditches and then wait. And we talked about this idea that as we follow Jesus, like we are to call out for what we need. We, we had this phrase that we said, uh, your greatest need often becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on Jesus. So they go out and dig ditches. They wait. We call out. Then we take steps, steps of faith. Steps of obedience. That's, we talked about this definition of faith. That, that faith is really uh, like believing in something but actually putting your weight on it. Like that's actually faith. Before it's just belief. Faith becomes when you actually take that belief and turn it into action. And so they go out, they dig a bunch of ditches, and then they just sit and wait. And we talk about how God doesn't always work on our timeline, and, and sometimes there's waiting involved. Sometimes God comes through in a way that you didn't think was going to happen. So they wait. Scott, last week, he, he was in the military, and he goes, one thing that stood out for me from the text was this, this idea that the soldiers were probably just told, go dig ditches in the valley. They probably weren't told why. Like, he's like, as a soldier, you're not told why. You're just told, go do something. You go do it. So he, he wondered, were they, did the soldiers think they were digging their own graves when they went out to that valley? They went out, they dug ditches, and then they just waited for God to show up. It's often the waiting that we struggle in. And then they wake up, valley's full of water, and then you carry the story through, you keep reading, and uh, their enemies look out over this valley the next day, and it's, it looks red. The water that filled up the valley looks red. So the enemies go, oh, those three kings must have gotten a fight. Everyone was killed. This is kind of a morbid story. Everyone was killed, and the valley is full of blood, actually. So they go out. They're like, hey, this is going to be no big deal. Let's go see what happened. And then the story continues. The three armies win the battle. I want to go to another story that's actually the very next story in the Second Kings, Second Kings chapter four. The wife of a man from the company 
of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So she's in a devastating place. Uh, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditors are coming to take my boys as a slave. So this woman is in a difficult position. She is devastated. She's lost her husband. Culturally speaking, she's in trouble. She's got no place to go. It's not like she can go out and get a job. Her only hope is that someone in the community will come and take her her and her sons in and take care of them. She's crying out to Elisha. Hey, my husband died. Like my husband was a servant of the Lord. Will you please do something? We have all these dead Creditors that are coming to take, uh, I don't know, my house, my, my money, the little that I have. Uh, they're going to take my boys as payment for these, this debt that I have. Elisha, will you do something? Verse 2. Elisha replied to her. How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Now, here's the interesting thing. What are the normal responses that people would give to this scenario? This woman comes, hey, I lost my husband. I'm majorly in debt. We're in a serious situation here. We need help. What is some normal ways that people respond? Normally, you get the, well, I'll pray for you. Right? Oh, that's it's terrible. I'll pray for you. And then maybe, maybe they actually pray for you. You get the, I pray for you. Thoughts and prayers. I'll send vibes your way, whatever that means. I'll pray for you. But then there's no real action. It's like giving somebody just like this answer that'll pacify them, that'll, that'll help them maybe in the moment, but then not fit, uh, following up with any sort of action that would actually help them. And then what's another thing that happens? Sometimes people go, well, you're in this situation, that's terrible. You should do this, 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 this. You should go get a job. You should do this. You should refinance. You should go into bankruptcy so your creditors can't, like, there's all these shoulds that happen. And I find it really interesting, Elisha's response. He doesn't say, oh, I'll pray for you, then walk away and go about his life. He doesn't say, well, you should do this. He doesn't give her all sorts of advice. You should do this, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, you should go to this person, you talk to this person. What does Elisha do? Hey, how can I help you? Where you are at right now in your situation, what you're going through, this is horrible. How can I help you? Like, I wonder what would happen if more Christians responded that way. 
Because it's, it's a question that's really profound. It's a question that respects the person. It's a question that says, hey, I'm in it with you. Elisha says, how can I help you? And then he says something, tell me what you have in your house. Like I imagine she's just like, what? What are you, okay. Uh, well, you can help me by giving me money. <laughs> That's obvious. You can help me by maybe taking us in, in this culture, culturally speaking. You can, you can, there's a lot of ways that you can help. And Elisha goes, what do you have in your house? And she goes, I've got nothing there at all. I don't have anything except for a small jar of oil. That's all I got. Elisha tells her, okay, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. And don't just ask for a few, ask for a lot. Be bold in your ask. Then go inside, shut the door behind you. Pour oil into all the jars. As each is filled, put one aside. What does Elijah say? Okay. There's a big need here. Like you're in a lot of pain. There's a lot going on. How can I help? What do you have in your house? What do you have right now that could become the thing that Jesus uses in the miracle? Maybe that's time. Maybe that's money. Maybe that's prayer. Like, what do you have that will become the thing that Jesus will use in the miracle? She cried out. Elijah. And God met her in that cry and then said, take the thing that you deem as ordinary, take the only thing that you have in your house, the only thing you have access to. Your family's broken, you're you're grieving, you don't have any money, you don't have a job, you've got literally nothing but one small jar. Elijah says, good. Let's start with that. I want you to go dig a ditch. Go to your neighbors. Ask them for jars. Get as many jars as you can in your house. And take that little jar that you had and just start pouring oil into the other ones. Watch what happens. She left them, she shut the door, 
behind her. Her and her sons are in the house. They brought the jars in. And she kept pouring. One jar. Two jars. Three jars. Four jars. It goes on and on and on. She kept pouring. She cried out. She put her weight in her faith, right? I gotta think. She's thinking in the back of her mind, why do you want me to go get jars for my neighbors? Why, why'd you ask me what I have and, and all I have is this little jar of olive oil? Like, like why, why am I doing this? But Elijah, you told me that God's gonna do something cool so I'm gonna put my weight in it and I'm gonna walk to my neighbors. They're gonna all think I'm crazy. They're going to give me jars, and I'm going to go back to my house, and I'm going to start pouring, 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 pouring. And each jar is going to fill up with oil. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went on, and she told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So this is another story that I just want to keep this idea in front of us. Scripture is full of small little things that humans did with what they had. Humans encountered God God said, do this, they did it, and then they watched God provide. Like, it's not about the things that we do, it's not about the ditches that we get, it's not about the fact that this one went and got a jar, the main character in the story is God. And all that is just how our relationship plays out with God, is God calls us into relationship with him calls us to come follow me I know you're tired I know you're weary but come and follow me I will give you rest I will make your life full you don't need to worry we bring what we can and we watch Jesus meet us and provide so as the worship team comes up I got a question for you Where do you need to call out to God? Where do you need to call out to Jesus? And then what is the ditch? What is the jar? Doesn't matter which analogy you go with. They're both good. What is the step of faith? Belief meets action. That Jesus is calling you to. What is that for you? What is that for your family? 
Like, where do you need to go out and just start digging? And you know it's going to be work, but you feel like Jesus is calling you to dig here. You know it's going to be work. You know it's going to be hard. You know there's going to be a lot of effort. You know it's something you got to stick with in order to dig the ditch, and you don't know what's going to happen, but you're going to trust. You're going to obey. You're going to follow. And see how Jesus decides to fill that with water. What's Jesus inviting you to? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you call us in a relationship with you. We thank you that that's just not just a Sunday thing or, or not just a prayer thing or not just a Bible thing, but this is an ongoing relationship with you in our life that is powered through the Holy Spirit. That even when we don't know what to pray, your spirit intercedes on our behalf. Your spirit gives us power. Your spirit guides and directs. Jesus, I pray. I pray that we be a people that cry out to you. I pray that we be a people that when we hear something that we are supposed to do, we get that nudge. We go out and we dig ditches. And then I pray that we be people that actively wait on you to move, to provide. And that we find out that your words are true. That you will give us full rest. We will find out what it means to walk with you. We will find out what it means to live life to the full. In relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen.